You're listening to Of Slights and Men with Benji and Jacob. A Daily Magician Production. Hello and welcome back to Of Slights and Men. We are thrilled to be with a, a very special guest today. Uh, and, and I think, uh, without further ado, Benji's going to give us a, a quick bio so we can know uh, who we've got on the show today. Yeah, so we have a Mr. Adrian Lacroix. I hope I got that right. I was practicing before the show. <laughs> and Adrian, his name has really sort of burst onto the scene over the last year or so um, after the, how do I say it in a way that will not, too explicit because we we generally tend to try and stay away from that stuff and talk more just about magic on this podcast but let's just say the last year has been a little bit different more people being at home than usual um and there's been a huge kind of like gap in the market and a hole and and this kind of whole problem for magicians of crap we're at home now what do we do (laughs) um and enter everybody's hero man of the year adrian um who we have on with us today who starts pumping out these incredible virtual magic um just release after release they're all top quality uh and since then he's been doing kind of from my heard he's been doing private performances for penn and teller david blaine david copperfield like the most sort of sought out virtual performer in the world right now um or oh, that's how it that's how it seems to me from the outside so adrian now that we have you on i'm i'm just excited to ask you first off the bat what, what was it like to perform for some of your kind of, I imagine, heroes when you performed for David Blaine, Copperfield, those guys? Oh, uh, well, it, that, it was crazy, right? Because when I was a, a little kid, I was eight years old, the mm. first person I, I've seen doing magic was David Copperfield. And then to be able to perform for him, because uh, I, I started performing for many magicians this year, right? And... Well, a friend of mine introduced me to Chef McBride and I showed my stuff to Chef and he was really kind and he was like, you you want to show these things to David? And that was surreal, <laughs> right? Yes, I would love to do that. And, and well, I, I thought that he was being kind, but it's going to be difficult for that to happen. But not, he he make it real in, in, a, in a week. I was talking with David about this wow. stuff, and and he seems to really enjoy the, the the tricks, and he asked me if I can show the the things to to his family. So that for me was was a big honor, uh-huh. because uh, the guy that get me into this world uh, asked me or give me the chance to to perform for him and and, and the people he he loved the most. It was a it was something special for me. So. That was a really nice experience. Thank you. Yeah, and just for anyone that doesn't know, um, I think Benji and I have done a bit of research before. But yeah, if you could go into that a little bit more, how did how did that all happen? How did you get into magic, and and why was he such an inspiration for you? Well, when I was when I was young, when I, I think I'm still young. I don't know. I'm thirty six, but when I was younger, when I was like eight years old, as I said, I never seen any magic. Anywhere, I I haven't seen magicians on kids' party or something like that. And I remember that one night I was watching TV, 
and it was like 10 p.m. here, and, and I was supposed to be sleeping because I, I needed to go to the school at day after, but for some reason, we, we have dinner late that day, and the TV was on, and we were, they were watching, my, my fathers were watching the, the Copperfield special hmm. that was airing here on, on TV for the first time. And I remember that I've seen that and it immediately blew my mind. I I just want to do that. I just wanted to, to learn those things. And I was really impressed not only by the big things like making the Statue of Liberty disappear, but mm. with the small things like the... Now I know the names of the tricks, right? Like the crazy man's handcuff with the mm. rubber bands and mm. uh, and misled the, the trick with the pencil and a bill when you uh, yeah, yeah. pencil through the bill so those things i remember that i i was this little kid trying to play with a bill and a pencil trying to to, to recreate the trick it was impossible for me at that, that lost, lost your family a lot of money at that point <laughs> no no, no I, I i wasn't that crazy <laughs> but, but um i just i was playing with it and and, and and having fun with that right like imagine that i and be able to do those kind of things. Mm. And that's how I think my parents start to see that I, I have this interest in, in magic and maybe on a birthday or a, on a holiday, they gave me like a magic book for kids as a present or stuff like that, right? And that's how, how I, I start paying attention and, and learning these, these things. I interrupt this podcast to give a brief shout out to our website, thedailymagician.com. If you haven't already signed up for our daily emails that will give you great content just like this podcast, please head over there and sign up now. That's thedailymagician.com. We promise that we won't disappoint you. And I I was actually really interested by that because a lot of people have different stories in magic. You know, maybe they saw a magician do a trick at a party or, you know, they picked up a book that their grandpa gave them. But yours was interesting because it starts with the TV, right? Um, and, and I was interested because a lot of your magic has been virtual magic. Do you think the fact that the first magic that inspired you was on TV kind of influenced the fact that you used that sort of medium later? Did that I, have any impact? I, I haven't thought about that, but I, I don't think it's that related because uh, now I'm doing these virtual things out of necessity, right? Right. <laughs> we are all in this in this situation, but I've been doing magic for, for many, many years. But the story... Uh, don't end there because when I was like two years later or one year later, when I was like nine or ten years old, I I went one day to the school and I haven't thought about this until this year. This year I just have uh, this memory back in my head. So I went to the school and I I learned this trick on a on a kids magazine with the matchbook. Uh, the matchbox uh, box, right? Mm-hmm. Where where you have the the matchbox uh, on the palm of your hand, and it moves, and it turns, and it opens, and the, and then a match uh, goes out. You remember that trick? You, you have a, a thread mm-hmm. attached on it, and and the thread goes below your hand through your mm-hmm. belt, and when you move your hand uh, in front of you, the matchbox moves, mm-hmm. and. I performed that for, for my friends in the school and then we went to the break. And when we came back from the break, uh, I have a, a friend of mine 
that was looking on my backpack and discovered the matchbox and the dread, and he was showing everyone how the trick worked. Oh, no. <laughs> and after that, I stopped performing magic because uh, I learned a lesson that the world can be cruel. <laughs> and I stopped performing and I didn't have the tools back then to, to, to do something about it. And it was six years later when I, I keep learning by myself. I keep learning with uh, BHS that shows how, how well mm -hmm. we are, right? And we didn't have internet at that point, at, at least not the same way we, we have now. So I start watching these videos of Michael Amar and, and people like that. And when I was 16, I was another night doing sapping on the TV and I see this guy performing magic on the street, right? And I just leave that, that channel, that show on the TV. And it was the first David Blaine special. We have it airing here in, in Buenos Aires. And I couldn't sleep that night. I was repeating that same show in my head over and over again. I, I just get those images of the people reacting that way to the magic. And for me, that was uh, unknown because I haven't performed for more people than my family. Through, through all those years. So the next day I, I came to the high school with a deck of cards and I started performing for my friends there mm. and they started getting the same reactions as I was watching on the TV show the night before. And I couldn't believe that. And I and I keep continue doing magic since that day to, to everyone. So that's, that's how, how I started. And because I was performing for everyone at, at that stage in my life, one day uh, I was in a party and I was doing those things and someone saw me and he, this guy has a restaurant and he asked me if I can perform on his restaurant. And I was like, yes, okay, I would love to do that. When, when you want me to start? And he was like, oh, tonight. So that's how, <laughs> how I started working. And I was not allowed to be on the restaurant because of my age. They they were selling alcohol drinks, right? right. And, yeah. And I was working there, so it was fun. And I think, if if I think it now, I, I don't think that I was allowed to work there either, but that's <laughs> my... I so that's how, how I entered to this, this world. Mm. And then obviously came full circle recently. Did you tell them that story when you when you met them? I don't know how it was it just like a yeah, show? Yeah. You did a show? I, I, I tell I tell both David that the story to, to Copperfield mm. the that, that he was the first magician. I saw performing on TV and live because when I was thirteen he came to, to Buenos Aires and uh, did mm. uh, a stage show here. So I, I went to see his show and it was the first time I, I was watching Magic uh, live. And Yes, of course. I, I told Blaine the, the, the story. I, I traveled a month ago to to meet him in the States. Uh, we have been working on on some project. And that was real too, because uh, I showed him the my stuff on, on the first days of November. And by the end of the month, I was traveling to LA to meet him. Wow. So that, that, was, that was pretty good too. So well, how how long were yeah. you with him then? Because I, I mean, I've heard some. Uh, oh, I, I spent two weeks. Two weeks living. Uh, oh, two weeks. 
yeah, living at That's... his house and, and doing stuff with him. It was Man, I know was... magicians who would uh, pay a lot of money for that. <laughs> it, was, yeah. it was really fun. It was really fun. Mm-hmm. Did he, were you just kind of hanging out or did he, did he perform anything for you? Any kind of like exclusives that you've oh. never seen him perform for anyone else? No, no, yeah, kind of. But we were working on on ideas and, and stuff. Right. I, I'm not allowed to 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 right, talk makes sense. about that. But, yeah. <laughs> I have seen David Blaine do. Um, I don't know how recent it was, but I don't. It might have been before or after. But he'd done some. He he has been doing some virtual magic, um, like on a lot of the late night TV shows he goes on. Um, he's done a few virtual routines, yes, uh, and so I definitely um, see that. He performs uh, a lot of, of stuff virtually for, for charity and, and oh, children yeah, yeah. for hospitals mm-hmm. and stuff like that. He, I, I know that he has been doing that a lot since the lockdown start. So he was bringing joy and, 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 mm-hmm. and these things to, to kids. And I think that that was really good. Mm. I'm interested, uh, not so much, well, obviously with the magic, but if you can't talk about it, you can't talk about it. But I'm interested to know... Um, what was it like? So you lived, you were at his house. How was that? Was that a surreal experience? You yes, I, 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 go to his house. <laughs> I spent some days at, at his house in New York. It, it was fine. It was amazing. He he treated me like a like an old friend. I, uh, it was uh, unbelievable. Yes, it, it was a, a really beautiful experience. And and the the first day we we went to New York. Uh, I haven't seen uh, the snow in. I I've seen snow, but I haven't yeah. seen snow in. And the first day we came to New York, uh, at one hour later, it was snowing. So it was a magical experience. Yeah, that's awesome. Yes. So I have memories like that from yeah. the trip, and, and it was really cool. Yes. So it was like kind of like Christmas time in New York. It's pretty magical. Yes, it was. Uh, yes, because it was like uh, middle December. Yes. What, what yeah. were you there, Adrian? Because sorry, I just I I was I live next to the New York area, so I'm in New York a lot. So it, it, it's a big city. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, obviously, yeah. But did he did he take you around the sites and everything? What what, what were the dates that you were in New York? No, we weren't we weren't allowed to to go out that much because uh, of the COVID situation. We, we right, had right, right. Some, some emails from the from the sheriff that asked us to, to stay at home. Oh, because he's and, a celebrity as well, right? So that any, makes sense. any traveler <laughs> must do quarantine when you when you arrive there. So, so mm, yeah, yeah. like staying home and, and doing stuff. So, what did the creation process look like? As far as like, uh, obviously, like I, again, not getting into specifics, but what kind of like what did you learn from David Blaine, or what did you have like what was something that you learned from him that you didn't expect to learn, or something that he taught yeah, you? It doesn't doesn't have to be like like a trick, but more just like oh. Does he approach magic in a way that other people don't? Does he have kind of an unusual way of looking at a problem and trying to solve it? Uh, I, I don't know. I, I have been studying uh, him and, and, and other magicians that I admire for many, many years. So I didn't find something that uh, wasn't uh, much different as the things I, I have in, in my mind about them and their process, right? If they need to work on something, they just gather a team and just start brainstorming and and doing stuff, right? It's, yeah. it's like uh, it's like the regular process. It's, it's not different. It's just uh, sit and, and do some hard work, right? Right. And that, so, that's all. I can I can tell you about my creative process because mm-hmm. it, that's 
what I have experienced the last the last year. Uh, I never thought that I can be a creative person. If you ask me, I, I don't consider myself as someone that is creative. If I if I think of that word, I will think of magicians like Paul Harris, right? I think that Paul Harris is a is a great creator of magic. Here in Argentina, we have my friend Juan Pablo, Juan Pablo Ibanez, which mm. is a, a big creator. He he is thinking about new tricks and new new concepts all day long, right? And mm. and I don't don't work that way. So I, I didn't believe that I could be a creative person. But there is something that I have in my life or I, I lack in my life, which is motivation. I, I don't have motivation to do nothing. So it sounds like a depressive person, but it's, it's kind of who, who I am. I, I don't have much motivation. The thing is, if I, I don't have much inner motivation, but if someone gave me some external motivation, I, I will put my mind into that, right? So if you challenge me to do something, maybe we are going to get a better response than if I have to do it by my own, mm. right? So this this uh, lockdown situation was a challenge for me mm. because I was naive on the beginning thinking that I was going to get some shows over Zoom. And mm. I, I say this because last last year not not last year in 2019 um, at the end of the year i performed in argentina for the president and his family and that wow. was kind of a big deal because it was covered by the media and the thing is like big companies start to call me to to do more shows for them uh, it, it was like like um, jumping a step right in in, in my career here yeah, I about the, the public recognition because i was more, more into the, to the public side um and because of that i thought okay 2020 is going to be a great year because i, I will start working yeah. more with, with big companies and stuff like that but in, mm. in march everything closed here we, we start to be in, in this lockdown and i thought and I was naive because the economy was really bad in Argentina before the lockdown. And imagine now after eight months with everything closed, right? Mm. So uh, things are not that, that well here. But the thing is, at that moment, I thought, okay, I'm going to be performing shows because I was watching friends doing that uh, on the States, like Osperman has been doing a lot of shows and another oh, yeah. friend that I have there have been working a lot. Kostya, Kimlat, uh, I was watching all those guys on, on mm. Facebook, right? And they were working hard. So it's okay, I, I may be able to do the same here, but I need to be prepared. And I start thinking how I can I can uh, adapt my staff to be able to do it over Zoom. But most important, not, not only the tricks, but the experience from the audience. Mm. How can mm. I get some similar or, or the same experience that they were getting in a live in-person show over over a video call. Mm. And for me, uh, that was a part of the creative process. That was an important part of the creative process because I start to, to search uh, other tricks that were meant to be performed at distance. 
And we have two kinds of tricks that are meant to be or designed to be performed at distance. Once, uh, one, one of them uh, relies on the mathematical procedures and mm. the other kind is like the verbal magic, right? But mm. even verbal magic relies uh, in a big part on mathematical procedures sometimes, right? It's, mm. it's like similar. Eliminating things. Yeah. Yeah. Similar but not the same. But when the magicians designed those, those kind of tricks, they didn't have a computer in front of them or an iPhone. So they they were be able to perform those tricks on a radio or over a phone call. And now we have this extra thing, which is a screen and a camera. So I thought that maybe we can take advantage of that situation. And it, it mm. seems like natural. It seems like the, the logic step to, 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 mm. to do. So... I start researching some tricks and I find uh, an old triumph that was meant to be performed over, over the phone. Um, and when I read it many years ago, I, I didn't pay much attention to that trick because it didn't make sense uh, to perform live. We have, for me, we have better, uh, better things to do live uh, that not, don't rely on mathematical or verbal things, right? Uh, mm -hmm. we can use a, a lot of, of tools in, in our live in-person performance. So I, I never pay much attention to, to those things. But now I started to do it and I started to, to think that maybe we can change some things on those procedures and make them seem less uh, mathematical and more, more casual. And I add a layer on the trick that it's like a dual reality thing when I reach a point where the spectator thinks that we are in the same position when we are not. He has the trick solved on, on his hand and I'm able to show them that the cards that we have been shuffling are all face up into face down. Mm. Mm. And that thing for me was a big discovery, even if it's not a big thing, but it was a big discovery because when I perform the, the triumph on my side of the screen, and then I start asking them to take a look at their cards, they were mm. like, oh, there is no way that these cards are going to be noted, right? right? Because they just have seen the cards shuffle in my hands, and they are sure that they did the same with me. So that changed the way I start thinking of, of, the, of the things that can be performed over Zoom. That was the starting point. Mm. I, I wasn't thinking of releasing that trick. I was thinking that I I can perform that trick on, on my shows. Mm. And then I started showing showing it to a few friends. Osperman was one of them. And he just recommended me to show the trick to Penguin's uh, owner. And mm. we sent him a video and he loved it. And he was really interested on, on release it. And that's how I, I released my first trick. That, that was the, the process, mm. the creative and, and the business process. Mm. And, and which you, yeah, you're going. Yes, no, no, tell me. I was going to say, which are you more like proud of than the, because the, obviously they're both great accomplishments. The fact that you now sort of pioneered and, well, I don't know, you have really cool shows that you do virtually and you've been doing well with, with the shows, but you've also put out releases that have done really well commercially and in the community. So 
looking back at like 2020 what would you say you're more kind of like i guess proud of or just like what feels more satisfying the fact that you put out some trick that loads of people loved or that you personally built up your own show well that that's an interesting question because i'm i'm uh, i'm happy about both things uh, i think equally um i i'm proud that that uh, people like the tricks and most important they are performing them on their shows Th that for me is, is is something that is is really great because a lot of people uh, loses the, their shops right this mm. this this last year mm. and i was one of them and many magicians too almost every magician lost lost his regular shop right and we needed to adapt and if these things that I was selling uh, also gave them uh, a, a tool to to start working again, I, I think that is something something good. It's, it's not only only making money on the on the products, which is is good, because now I'm living doing that because of that. I, I'm not doing many shows here in Argentina because this, the country situation, but right. I'm trying. To perform in the states, and I'm trying to perform around the world over Zoom, so I can keep keep performing some shows, and I can keep cre creating stuff. And I, I think it's a it's a good thing. It's not only only just uh, the business part of, of the of the thing, but what makes me happy is that I think uh, those tricks help a, a, a bunch of people to to start doing things. And, and maybe to 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 have the the, the will to, to try things over some because I talked with many magicians and they didn't want uh, to know nothing about about performing virtually mm. right mm. and after they seen some of my tricks they told me that they changed the the perspective on that they mm. were willing to try some of the the stuff and that for me was was a was something good. Uh, I that was something that 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 I enjoyed and make me that makes me proud. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because I think most well not most because obviously there's exceptions, but like generally products that like solve really kind of hard problems tend to be the most successful ones because obviously you can sell a product that doesn't sell a problem just based on I don't know good marketing or whatever, but that's not going to stick around. So the best type of products and the ones that kind of spread like wildfire and they have all this word of mouth and they, they rise. It's like, they almost kind of just sell themselves um, because they solve a problem. Right. And the only reason people are buying it is because it solves a huge problem. And so I totally uh, agree with that assessment. Yeah, I think there is a problem. It's not a problem, but it's, it's, it's something that, that comes with this, this business. When I, when I'm talking about business, I, I'm referring mm -hmm. to the, to the magic market, right? Mm -hmm. Market. Um, I think many magicians rely on, on the tricks they release, which is fine, but they release stuff that they don't perform. And they just have these sometimes cool ideas. Sometimes they are not that cool, but they they look cool on, on a trailer. But when you need to, to do it on, on, a, on the real life, those things are not practical or are not going to work 100% of the time or just makes no sense at all. Hmm. And because we like to buy things all the time, hmm. 
we are spending yeah. a lot of money and we, we all uh, went through that space and some some of us keep keep continue doing that right mm-hmm. and, and we spent a, a lot of money on most of the time on, on useless things and even if they are cool we are not going to use them and i think when the creators release stuff that they do because they they work uh, with real audience and they test those things and they really perform them i think you, you have something different and and i think people appreciate that because they can start performing those things almost immediately mm-hmm. because they, they just were tested with, with real audiences. Yeah, and, and I guess that's why for you it's a good, a good combo of having yes, the show but, but, and the product because you can trial it, test it in your show, and then if it's good, you can spread it to, to other people and maybe if not, then uh, yes. you keep going. But no, but you can think because I, I was thinking when I was talking about that, but okay, but how did I test my stuff before if I was not performing virtual magic? Because I developed all these things just in the in the in the first months where where the lockdown started. Mm-hmm. But I think uh, because I has been performing only for layman's for, for many, many years, but I have the tools to understand most of the time, not always, but but most of the times, what things are going to work well with an audience and which ones don't. Mm-hmm. And and I try to apply that kind of thinking into the things I develop. Right? And I think to I think there is something important when, when you perform, which is to find uh, effects where the method is easy or simple and the trick is strong. So mm. I try to create things that are easy to do, but strong in the in the effect. And mm. that allows you to concentrate in the presentation or, or in the audience instead of being aware of, of the moves that you need to do or, 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 or paying much attention to the method. So I, I mm. want to rely. I, I want to 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 rely more on on the on the fact that they are going to work because they are easy, and I can be just relaxed, paying attention to what what is going on with the audience, than on the method. Mm. And and speaking of presentation, how would you kind of like give advice to somebody? So let's say, for example, they used to be a big kind of stage magician, or they will be when this is over, but right now they're not. And they, their whole act is dependent on them having all that room to, to run around and use kind of these big props and stuff. How, how would they, how would you suggest they like, would they scale it down and try and do like a, the same, would they try and have the same presentation, but make it smaller or would they pivot and do an entirely different presentation? Or yeah. I don't know, like, how would you advise somebody adapt their presentation to, to doing it virtual? I don't think that doing the same is a good idea. I will, I will, uh, Give you an example outside the magic. Mm-hmm. Imagine that you are a, an actor, right? Mm-hmm. And, and you are on Broadway performing Hamlet. And now you're in, in a lockdown situation. You're not going to perform Hamlet in, in the couch in your living room, right? Over Zoom. 
You're not going. You are not going even to think about that. You're yeah. going to, to think. Okay, I, I need a, a different a different uh, act, right? I need mm-hmm. a different a different thing to, to do. Mm-hmm. And I think this is the same. This is the same. You are not going to, to make a, a card appear in your living room. If if you are able to do that, maybe it's a good some show. I don't know. Mm. But but most of, of, of us we we are not able to do that. <laughs> Why not present things as as they are? Because something good that happened with the lockdown is that we are all in the same situation. Everyone. Doesn't matter if you are rich or you are poor or you are middle class or if you are a, a well-known person or an unknown person, you, you must stay at, at home, right? Mm-hmm. And we all are in the same situation and that creates some empathy. And that is something interesting because it will let you show uh, more real stuff. It, it can let you show your, your true persona. Mm-hmm. And Maybe that is a different way to to see this this uh, this illusionist, and it's not that different of what happened in the early two thousand with the reality shows, right? Mm-hmm. Y- you can see Ozzy Osbourne on his house, and he he wasn't the, the same guy that was on the stage. Mm-hmm. It, it has his character, but it, you, you can see him like uh, having an argue with a plumber, right? Or something mm-hmm. like that. It's, it's not something that you expect of, of Ozzy Osbourne. So mm-hmm. maybe you can take advantage of that thing and, and just show maybe the backstage on, on your show and stuff like that and, and show more intimate stuff. Right. Yeah, no, I think those are all good answers. And I, and I, I really like it because basically I, what it boils down to is talking about like innovation, right? And uh, creating more original routines within this new climate. And so that's actually something that I've I've heard. Well, I, I was reading an interview with you and, and you talked about that before. You said that there's, there's and I don't want to call you out if maybe your opinion's changed or whatever, but um, you, you said before that there's, a, there's room for in the magic community for more diverse innovation and more original thought. And, and that's something that we really agree with. Um, and I, I wanted to ask you, where do you think that starts? Where do you think innovation and original thought needs to start in the magic community? Oh, that is a, a, a good question. Uh, I, I can speak uh, for my experience, right? But I, I, I honestly believe that I was doing a, a good show before the lockdown. I was doing mm-hmm. a, a good stuff on my show. But even if I if I add some some original presentations, plots or music or, or, or things to my show, now that I'm that I'm doing uh, original stuff that I created, I notice that it's completely different. It's, it's different if you use something that that you created, even if it's not that good. It has mm-hmm. more to do with you. For some reason, because for some reason you created that, right? Mm-hmm. And even if the tricks aren't as strong as the ones you were doing from other magicians, maybe they get better reaction from the audience because they have more to, to do with you. Mm-hmm. And right. because of that, you can connect from another from an, uh, on a different way. 
and and they can uh, be more interesting about you than before so i think that is a is a good thing and and i think uh, it's a it's a challenge because i don't want to change my other show i i i i'm happy with that show mm. but maybe I need to change some 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 parts of it just to make it more personal in in this right. in this way, and because I I have the the chance to to speak with all these big names like Copperfield and Penn and Teller and Blaine and, and Simon Piero and Pete Harling and and and, 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 and uh, Chef McBride, I start. Um, between others, because I, I have the chance to, to speak with many of them, and I, I feel blessed about that. But I, I see how how they are working all the time, just to trying to make things personal and, and to change the methods and to and to build new stuff and new experience for the for the audience. And I think that's that's the that's the reason they they are. In the place they are now, is is yeah. hard work and and think about the audience first, and yeah. and think about their uh, their persona, how they can they can connect with the audience, right. being being uh, original, being them, right? Mm. Yeah, I actually I really love that because it's it's that's not just like a magic thing, but that's just a thing, just a life tip in general. I think that people need to remember. Because um, it's something that we see in businesses, people, even when you, someone buys a product, they want to buy somebody and they want something personal, right? And, and I'm really glad that you brought that up, Adrian, because I think that's a really good point that everyone should listen to and note down <laughs> is that uh, when things come from yourself and when you are performing as yourself uh, and just in general in life, when when you're believing in yourself and everything is personal, then, then you'll see more success. Yeah. So, so thank you. And also, like the other thing Adrian said that was quite insightful was how they start with the audience in mind rather than themselves. And again, I think that's another overlap in terms of just, just business. You know, if you're, let's say you have a product you want to sell to people, or let's say you want to sell a product, maybe you haven't decided on the product. You don't start by thinking, okay, or maybe some people do this, but this is the, this is the wrong way. <laughs> you're not meant to start by thinking, oh, what is going to make me look good? Like, like how can this benefit me the most? You have to start by looking like, all right, okay, here's the, the core group of customers that I want to like serve. Like here are the people I want to help. How do I help them find the answer to that and then build the product based on that? And, and again, for the show, like, look, who is your audience? How do I help them? And then build it based on that rather than saying, oh, what's going to make me look the best? Like, what's going to make my ego uh, the shiniest as a magician? It's like wrong way of looking at it. So, yeah, a bunch of useful stuff in there. You should be taking note of that. Yes, I think, I think uh, if I need to be honest, I do magic for me. Uh, <laughs> about any other thing because I really enjoy doing it, right? But I understand that I need to think uh, the things for the audience, not not just for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, 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 when I was like a, a teenager or in my twenties, I, I was trying to to do to be more artistic, right, uh, and to do more artistic things, but. I wasn't performing on a theater. I was performing on, on corporate events. Mm-hmm. And I realized that you can be artistic at some point, but also you, you need to to achieve 
what they need you to 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 do right if, if the, someone hires you to entertain people maybe you need to entertain them instead of trying to be an, an artist right because mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's right. what they hire you for mm -hmm. and then i i realized that you need to find things that can coexist with the things that you want to express but the things that that you can show in that environment mm. that's, the, a, that's a really yes. good line yeah. maybe write that down <laughs> yes but but yeah. then when you when you reach a, a certain amount of recognition second. you can do whatever you want but you until you you reach that point sometimes if you need to work uh, and need, need the money just for living or, or need the, the work you, you need to to learn how how to balance things how mm. how, how to present things in, in those places right i don't know if this makes sense or not but yeah. um, you, you, i'm not saying that that you need to lose your artistic vision at all i'm, I'm saying that you need to to find stuff that represent you but also can be performed on that in those places mm. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, I'd wanted to ask you while we're still on the topic of Zoom and, and well, just virtual in general, I guess. How do you view? Because I've, I've, my mind is still not made up on this. Um, sort of, my mind is uh, undecided. Zoom. How would you view it in terms of, uh, let's say you're performing for an audience, um, and if I get too specific into any kind of overall methods, we both know it's going to be easier to do certain methods because the frame of view of the audience is limited you basically control what they see in a way that you don't in real life and so how would you view kind of uh, air quotes cheating over zoom or over this kind of virtual thing where you can do things off screen that they won't see you can you can leverage stuff that is like maybe behind the laptop or i don't know like do you do you think that's dishonest or i do you think that's fine because like you're a magician the whole point is you're going to deceive them by whatever tool uh, you have and this is just I another one of them I mean, if you 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 palm a card, and mm -hmm. you hide it in your palm, right? Mm -hmm. Why is that different from from hiding it uh, on the side of the of the computer? Mm -hmm. Is it right? Right, right, right. I think I, I guess the only thing is it's implicit, maybe in the audience. Maybe the audience think because the audience know on a certain level when you're performing for them live palming. Yes, maybe they don't know the technique, but they know you're going to be doing that kind of thing. Whereas I think uh -huh. for some people, they would they wouldn't. It just wouldn't occur to them that you would use Zoom for cheating, and so maybe they would suddenly feel like, "Oh, what the heck? Like he did that? That's that's not in the rules." Even though they don't know that really there is no rules. It's just whatever you do, you do. I understand what what you what you what you are asking me, but I think mm -hmm. that maybe applies more than to camera tricks. Right. If, right. if I was using some camera tricks, maybe it's it's not the same because they are not expecting me to take advantage of that kind of stuff, right? I mean, if I can freeze the camera like half of the screen or, or, or those stuff like that. And you know that you can create miracles with that, but I just prefer to, to be honest and, and just to use the, the, the screen as, as it is, the camera as, right. as it is. And I, I, I think that, at least for me, your, your question relates Related more more to to that, uh, I I don't think they are not expecting me to use advantages here. I think they expect me to be honest at least on the methods, right, and do some sort of manipulation and stuff like that. 
that is okay, but it's not a camera trick. Mm. Yeah, no, that well, that's good, and well, that's a good news then, because like I said, I was uh, undecided, so I thought I'd actually seen that. At, at the end of the day, even at the end of the day, who cares? Because uh, Rene Lavand used to say this: it doesn't matter if you make a mistake in in the show, right? Audience can forget that if you if you do something wrong, but they are not going to forget if they get bored. Mm. So if you entertain them, they are at home. They have nothing better to do, and they are watching your show, and they have a, a, a really nice moment, and they enjoy it. Who cares if you use camera rigs or, 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 or the advantage of Zoom or, or nothing? You you just uh, did your show. That's what what I was uh, trying to say before when I was uh, talking about the the work and the artistic view and those things. Doesn't matter if you are an artist or if you are an entertainment entertainer um if you uh, can do your task in in a good way and people is entertained and they have a good time and you make them forget about all those problems that they have uh, you don't need to do nothing else so i, I don't think it matters that, that much mm -hmm. yeah that's a good way to, to to phrase it and uh since you set us up so beautifully for the next question uh you mentioned rene levon uh, Rene Rene Levant, got to get the the pronunciation. Yes, Rene Levant. Um, yeah, Rene Levant. Oh, man, I, I'm really uh, botching the name on this one. But you obviously come from Argentina yourself. Um, Rene is my chance. Levant also came from Argentina. You mentioned a lot about your kind of heroes growing up and, and Copperfield and Blaine and stuff. But how big of an influence did uh, Rene Levant play in in the magic that you've created? And or just, I don't know, just the general kind of ma magic atmosphere in Argentina. Well, Rene, for me, was one of the of the biggest magicians in the history of magic, not not only in Argentina, right? And it has to do with his style and, and above everything. He he always claimed that right, well, that you need to find your style, your your unique style, and it relates to the things we were talking before, like to create something something that relates to you more above all, all the things right mm. and i think yes he, he was a, a big influence many magicians from from argentina like to say that they were uh, the pupils uh, or oh, yeah. the, right yeah, yeah. And, uh, <laughs> the thing is um he didn't consider that he, he had that many pupils uh, but yes, it's funny. But um, he he liked to to say that if if someone find uh, something on him that 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 can help, he he was happy with that, right? And I that, that, that this is an interesting question. I I I I was trying to do an homage. Uh, of him on, on my show on my virtual show because when I started developing the show the first thing that came into my mind that René was a magician that can mm. do the exact same show over Zoom mm. because even if he was performing for thousands of people in a theater he was performing mostly for the camera mm. because the people in the theater watch it through a camera lens, right? Mm. He had he has two spectators next to him and he can do close-up uh, better than anyone. But on a, on a big theater, 
he was performing for for the camera and he could be doing the same the same exact show over zoom and some of the tricks benefit with the camera because you can watch them really close and and it's, they are really more more amazing right and i just want to do his oil and water routine it can be done any slower on my show <laughs> oh my gosh. we quote that to yeah. each other all the time <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. I, I love I love that that uh, that routine and I remember the first time I I see him performing uh, I was a kid also and he was on the World Great Smash It right and so good yes it was a beautiful moment and I start to play with that routine and I discover many things I I discover that even if you I I had the chance to to spend a week with him on a travel that we did and wow. Yes, it, it was amazing. And and he invited me to his house after that when, when we came back, but I, I never went. I, I was like, oh, maybe this year I will go and maybe next year. And I let time go, go by, and then he died, right? And and I never came uh, to, to visit him. And even if I... If I saw him performing a lot of times because I've seen him live many times and I've seen him performing uh, on lectures and explaining the tricks. I didn't realize how well structured are the routines until I start trying uh, by, by myself, right? Until I just grab a deck and start playing with the routine. And then you start discovering a lot of subtleties that he he put on those tricks that are really great and and you can learn his his thinking process when when you start doing the same thing and mm. and i thought that that was a, a huge uh, learning process just doing the same things and, and trying to think how how he built those, those things because he he just pay a lot attention on those on those things and i start to play with the out of, uh, out of this world no i'm sorry the oil and water routine and yeah. i i perform for some magicians and one of them which was rune rune clan mm. told me oh that is a, a nice routine and I, I was sending the the the, the trick shuffling the deck with both hands and showing that the cards uh, are not shuffle at all right we have the, the four suits in order. And Ron Klein told me, oh, you, you cannot do that that ending part with two hands. You need to do it with one hand. <laughs> and I was like, oh, fuck, he's right. I can't do it with one hand, but I don't want to work that much. <laughs> so, but he was right about that. And then I started practicing the false shuffle. But I, I, to be honest, I didn't like the, the regular false shuffle with one hand. And Rene had a bunch of, of false shuffles with one hand, but one of them was created by this guy. This, the, this guy's name is Fosco. And that is similar to the triple shuffle if you want to, to compare with, with, a, with mm. some, some shuffle that you may know. Um, because you you don't shuffle the, the cards at all, but I think this this uh, shuffle was created even before the the shuffle because 
it was developed in early 2000, like 20 years ago. Mm. And mm. this guy is not in the magic world. And he lived near, near René Lavand uh, in, in the same town, which is far away from the city. Uh, and he was really interested in, in René Persona. So he started paying René to get some, some, some classes, some lessons with, with him. And after a few, a few lessons, he was at his home playing with the cars, maybe a little falling asleep with the deck in the hands, in his hands. And he, he was trying to, to shuffle the cars. And suddenly he did a move that wasn't the shuffle and the cars weren't shuffled at, at all. And he just uh, get, a, get, more, get more awake and, and start thinking, wait, what, what happened? I did something that doesn't make sense, right? <laughs> yeah. uh, and then he 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 tried to to replicate the moves and discover this shuffle. So the day after, he he met because they they always met in a bar in a in a coffee. Um, they they met with with Rene, and and Fosco told told Rene that he was playing with this this shuffle. That, that he developed the, the day before. And René told him, oh, yes, I, I, I understand what, what you are trying to explain me because they didn't take a deck of cards to the, to the bar. Mm -hmm. René never take, take a deck if he didn't have the, the mat, the close-up pad mm -hmm. in front of him and if he wasn't in the right place to do magic. And mm -hmm. I, I will, I will uh, talk briefly about this and I will come back to the story mm -hmm. because that he has an interesting point of view. He he ask he will ask you if you enter a jewelry store and you want to buy some diamonds, the guy who sells the diamonds is not going to, to throw them on the table, right? He's going to, to yeah. place a nice pad and then he's going to display the diamonds properly on, on top of that pad, right? Mm -hmm. And he considered that his magic was like that. So he's not going to perform in, in a bar just throwing the cards on the table. He, he needs to go to his lab or, or, or the stage. And I, I think it's an interesting, an interesting way to see, to respect and to see the, the things that you do, right? Because Definitely. if you respect those things that way, believe me that the audience is going to respect them the same or right. more. Mm. Well, but coming back to the story, he he asked Fosco to to show him the shuffle, right? So they came to Rene's house. They went to the laboratory, which was his office, the place where he tried everything. And Fosco did the shuffle for him, and he was like crazy. He was like, "Oh, we need to get a champagne. This this is going to enter to the history of magic." This he told Fosco, "You don't need nothing more. With only this shuffle." you just enter in the history of card magic. And he asked him for permission to perform that shuffle. And he has been uses, using that, that shuffle since. And Fosco told him that he was going to release it at some point, but he never did. And years went by, René died, and the shuffle uh, was lost. And even if they talk about the shuffle on the Luis de Matos DVDs, 
René don't teach the shuffle. He only shows how the shuffle looks like. He's like, oh, you can do this and that and that, and you have the fast shuffle. <laughs> and he, he didn't teach it. So I start trying to find this guy to learn the shuffle. And I I found I found out on Facebook that he has a, a friend in common with me. So I speak with my friend and ask him to introduce me to Fosco. And he did it. And then I needed to convince Fosco to show me the shuffle because he's not in the magic world and he's a, a really special person. Mm. He he's like um, in, introverted is is the word. Is is uh, mm -hmm. he he don't he don't talk with 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 much uh, many people from the magic uh, scene. But he's he's the, this uh, nice beautiful guy. He's, he's amazing, and well, I, I convinced him to to show me the the shuffle. He wanted to explain me over text message on, on WhatsApp. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, oh, I don't think this is going to work. And he was like, oh, well, maybe we can do a video call. So <laughs> we did a, a video call uh, and he he showed me the the details and the shuffle and I started working from, from that uh, call. And a few weeks later, I was able to do it uh, just fine and then I, I keep improving it right and now I have spent a few months doing it but I convinced him that this shuffle shouldn't be in the underground anymore so this weekend this last weekend I traveled to Tandil which is the, the town where they live and we went to René Laban's house with uh, Nora's blessing Nora is, is uh, René's wife and I stayed at his house because she she rents these beautiful uh, rooms there. You can you can go to Tandil and, and live on on a room right next to René Laban's house in a in a beautiful place, in a, in a beautiful place. And we meet with Fosco there, and we record him doing the shuffle and the explanation. So it's something that I'm going to release soon with him. And, and I'm really excited. Uh, yes, you, you can, you can see the trailer of the, of the shuffle on my Instagram or on my Facebook account. We I just uploaded it yesterday. That's um, a crazy story, man. Yes. And, and finally, after 20 years, that shuffle is, is going to see the light. And I'm really proud of, of his work. And, and, and I'm really grateful that he, he was willing to, to, to do it. Because it's a it's a great thing. Oh, by the way, someone is knocking my door because the mail is yeah, here. Yeah, Can we pause this for, for a second? Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. That's fine. <laughs> One second. I interrupt this podcast to give a brief shout out to our website, thedailymagician.com. If you haven't already signed up for our daily emails that will give you great content just like this podcast, please head over there and sign up now. That's thedailymagician.com. We promise that we won't disappoint you. Well, yeah, we seem to be running up on about an hour, so we'll probably end with one final question. Um, it's kind of just a running question that we like to ask each of our guests. There's no kind of uh, set answer. We're just interested to, to hear what different people have to say about it. And so um, the question, how do I phrase it best, is what for you makes magic uh, meaningful, you know? So, like, I guess there's facets to the question. So what, like, why 
not why did you get into it because we we heard the story of why you got into it but like why do you why do you stay in magic you know what makes it meaningful and like why do you spend what what makes you want to spend all your kind of creative energy uh solving magical problems above any other kind of pursuit you could be going after and, and using that same mental energy toward if that makes sense yes i i i understand what what you say um that's that's a hard question to mm-hmm. to, to answer uh, i think i i just fell in love with magic um, and the the way you can connect with people performing magic you cannot connect in any other way in, with any other art maybe is is something different because magic has something that no no other art has which is the the astonishment right hmm. and to to get people to experience that that feeling is something something unique and and i think that's what what makes me fell in love with this above any other things mm. and and to make me want to perform and i would like to relate this this question to to this just to end with the with the podcast if you want or if you want to continue we can um that i learned something this year and and is that you you never know what can happen right the the whole world can change in in an instant and we we take everything for granted when when it's not and it was always like that right but we just realized that more more vividly this this year at least i i realized that and i've been talking with many magicians and they were telling me that they didn't want to perform over zoom it's not the same it's like uh, and then i thought I, I love doing magic and i don't care if i do it in person at distance over a phone call or or in close up or in a big stage i just like like to perform it right and who cares the the platform or if it's live or, or not if you if you are able to to show people what you love and share that with them is is something that is good it's something big so you you can do it anywhere right and if you don't have any other option but this is as good as as the others i think mm-hmm. Well, thank you, Adrian. Uh, if you um, get, do you have anything else to add? I don't, I don't want to interrupt you. If you, <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, it's, it's, it's like uh, no, no. I think that if you, if you really love magic, you are going to be happy to to perform it anywhere. Mm-hmm. Doesn't matter if it's over Zoom or in person. Even if you prefer in person, as as I do, uh, or we all do, um, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm happy being able to perform and to connect with people and to be able to talk with you guys today and with all these things that are happening so so i feel really grateful about that and i want just to say thank uh, to you to Jacob and Benji for for inviting me uh, today to to be able to speak with you guys yeah th- thanks for coming on and um and, and for all the listeners gracias por escuchar este episodio yes and i'm sorry about the audience that they will need to hear one hour of us talking this nonsense <laughs> <laughs> It's okay. They probably stopped at twenty minutes. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they are smart. Yes. 
<laughs> yeah, it's, it's been an absolute pleasure, Adrian. Uh, really, um, anyone that wants to go reach out to Adrian, um, I'm assuming you know, there's your Instagram. Is there anything else you'd like to plug before we, we, we close up? Uh, no, I do. I use mostly my Instagram or my Facebook account. They, they, they will find it easily with my name. Okay, perfect. So that's Adrian Lacroix. Obviously, you'll see it in the title of the podcast. Yes, I, I don't think it's that easy now that, I, that I'm... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and please go check him out. Go follow him. Uh, go give him some love because it, it's been great to have you on, Adrian. And, and thank you so much for answering all of our questions. Yeah, thanks, man. Thank you. Thank you, guys.